Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right. Yeah. Our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Thomas on the water! Hey, 36! I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner Coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, and you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM. M Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. You can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best NFL, baseball, and basketball stats, and most importantly, college football stats. College football stats are some of the hardest to find in the industry, and they have them for just $15 a year. Steal of a deal on that website. They have the best college football stats on everything offense, and they have got defensive player stats on the way as well. It's ridiculously hard to find. As I mentioned, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen a lot of the stuff that I posted uh, about certain prospects. That is the website that I use. If you are out of the playoffs, if you unfortunately lost your Week 14 matchup or you were knocked out beforehand, you want to get a step ahead of some of your other league mates, if you want to get an early start on prospects and look into the analytical side of them, check out the website, expandtheboxscore.com. I'm telling you, it'll be well worth it. It's just $15 a year, and if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you get 10% off of that. It is the best deal in the industry. We've got Mr. Matthew Fox sitting here all on hold. I'm going to jump him on here. We're going to finish breaking down week 14, the first round of the fantasy playoffs. Hello! 
As I mentioned in the intro, it is a Tuesday episode, which means Matt is back with me as we finish breaking down the Week 14 games. Matt, how did you enjoy that Monday night football game, and how's your Tuesday been going for you? Uh, last night's game was um, an atrocity for most of it. Uh, do we have to give the NFC East a playoff team? I mean, I think that's the question we're all asking. But aside from that, my Tuesday's been pretty good. I mean, as long as it means the Cowboys aren't getting into the playoffs, I'm good. I really don't care what happens. I, I made a bet that the Cowboys would uh, not have or would have at worst the same kind of season the Browns had or worse. And so since the Browns aren't going to make the playoffs, I really need the Cowboys to falter here and not make the playoffs. So if the NFL could step in and just be like, you know what? The Rams are getting that playoff spot. It'd be awesome. I don't think it's going to happen, uh, but that would be great news for me because that means I don't have to shave my head, and that's a big deal. Well, to and me. you, uh, you probably aren't feeling too great that Philly's the only thing standing between you and Dallas getting in, since no. Philly doesn't appear to be able to cover you or I if we were playing wide receiver. No, yeah, it, it really doesn't. I mean, I, I have a really bad feeling that it is going to come down to that uh, game. Obviously not this week, but week Amari 16. Cooper going for three touchdowns oh, God, and 150 yards and you shaving your head? Yeah, it's going to be horrible because I also made a bet that Amari Cooper wasn't going to finish the <coughs> top 10 wide receiver this year, and I feel like that's going to happen as well. So it's just not been a good year to go against the Cowboys. <laughs> Anyways, that being said, let's jump in and, and finish breaking down the rest of the games, and we will start with your Denver Broncos against the Houston Texans. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. So Drew Locke comes back in again, gets his second game here, and just, man, I mean, plays a really good game, leads the Broncos to a 38-24 win over the Houston Texans. I would imagine has got you feeling Pretty good about your future. A lot of talk that maybe, um, my God, I was going to call him Peyton Manning for a minute for some reason. John Elway has figured it out outside of uh, Peyton Manning bringing him in. He might have actually found a decent franchise quarterback here. Drew Locke goes 22-27, 390 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. It's coming to QB7 on the week with 24.9 points. Phillip Lindsay comes through for you. RB17 on the week with 12.5 points, 51 yards. On 16 carries and one touchdown, just four yards on two catches. Royce Freeman also comes through for you as well. So if you listen to Dennis on Friday's show and played him, he gets you 10.2 points. RB24 on the week. 24 yards on eight carries, but also gets you an eight yard, or eight yards on two catches, a five yard touchdown pass. Cortland Sutton struggles on this one, though, unfortunately. 56, uh, wide receiver 56 with 5.9 points, just 34 yards on five catches. But Noah Fant has a huge day here. Tied in three, 19.3 points, 113 yards, one touchdown on four catches. You know, as I mentioned, the, the guys that you were playing came through for you. And Lindsey, if you if you were playing Fant, he came through. Uh, Dennis suggested on Friday's episode to play Royce Freeman. He came through. Obviously, Sutton didn't. 
But I don't think how you can really hold that against Sutton. The dude has been an absolute baller all season long. Everybody's going to have a down game here or there. Unfortunately, his just came in the fantasy playoffs. I personally am not that worried about him. I did not get a chance to watch a lot of this game. We usually, uh, I usually rely on you for the the analysis on who the Broncos played because you, I know you watch their full games. Uh, and I do know that Fant got hurt in this one, so. So I know since you were watching the games, give us an update on Fant. I don't. I haven't had a chance to see if he is injured long term. If it was just a game thing, and then should be, we be worried about Sutton if we survived his bad performance this week going into Week 15? Um, they're saying Fant just has a bruise um, and he's questionable, but it doesn't sound uh, too serious. Um, I think the real thing with uh, Sutton on Sunday was that they didn't need him, that other people had kind of exploded and they got out in front kind of so quickly. That was uh, a little bit of the shocking uh, thing. You know, this was not how I thought this game was going to go. You know, we had seen Houston kind of take New England apart the week before. Right. You figure a rookie quarterback kind of coming in, first road start. Uh, very aggressive play calling. Um, it seemed like one of the things the – announcers kind of dialed in on at the time is that Houston basically made a decision that they weren't going to let the running game beat them and they wanted to dare Drew Locke to beat them passing. They couldn't get any kind of pass rush, which is kind of surprising if you watch the Broncos all season offensive line would not be something I would count as a strength for them. Um, but they really pulled together. Juwan James uh, returned and played the whole game. He was big right tackle, free agent offseason signing. Garrett Bowles has been looking better. Um, Ron Leary was out, and Austin Schlopman came in at guard and actually looked better. So maybe Denver finding something. So I think that's why you saw a quieter game from Lindsey and Freeman. I would not have suggested to play Freeman. I think Dennis gets bailed out a little bit by kind of a fluky five-yard dump-off TD um, right. that they got at the end of the half. But, you know, Drew Locke looked pretty good, looked pretty decisive, was spreading the ball around. They, they, It looked like the way the Texans were playing, they were trying to blanket Sutton and trying to keep a lot of people up to prevent Lindsey and Freeman from running all over them. And Drew Locke and the team just basically said, that's fine, we'll go elsewhere. And they did, made a lot of plays happen. I wouldn't be too worried. Uh, so Denver's final three, um, they are on the road. Their last road game is on Sunday. They are at Kansas City. Um, those games usually tend to be pretty interesting. Kansas City's defense has struggled at times. Might be a good uh, game for Lindsey and Freeman on the ground. I also wouldn't worry as much about Sutton. And then they end the season at home with the Lions and the Raiders back-to-back. Neither of those defenses scare me, so I wouldn't worry too much about Sutton. I think had the game been more in doubt, this was a game where Denver early about midway through the third quarter was up 38 to three. So it yeah. finishes 38, 24. It was never really that close. I mean, it was 31 to three at the half. Uh, it was a pretty handily handled game. I think they just didn't need to go big plays uh, to court and Sutton. They didn't, they had gotten points elsewhere. And that's kind of uh, what happened there. It wasn't, you know, necessarily that we should worry about him. It just, you know, when you're up by 35 points, you don't really need to sling it to your best receiver all the time. 
Yeah, I think, uh, I don't want to speak for Dennis, obviously, but I'd imagine the reason he was going with him, he's just always been a Royce Freeman guy. He is not a Lindsey Truther like I am. Uh, you know, I know you know, as a Broncos fan, we've talked about it many times, I was one of the people that was on Lindsey as you were, like, before uh, before the season even started last year, before anybody knew who he was. Uh, and Dennis has always just been on our, on Royce Freeman's side, saying that he's the better running back. He thought that he was going to get better run here. Uh, this one, and I don't disagree with you, he did get bailed out, obviously, by that touchdown. But that's why I said if you listen to him, he came through for you, obviously, because uh, had he not gotten that touchdown, it would not have been as good a day. Well, and Philip Lindsay could have had an even huger day. He caught a, it was either 15 or a 20 yard swing pass for a touchdown uh-huh. early in the game that got called back on what I thought was kind of a borderline block in the back penalty. Uh, and he had a couple of runs that got called back. Um, it kind of felt like, uh, you know, that game where Green Bay played the Giants, Aaron Jones' box score looks terrible. But if you had been watching yeah. the game, he got a couple of different touchdowns that got pulled back. So, I mean, his game could have looked markedly different. Honestly, I don't know if you actually watched the game, how you could maintain the opinion that Freeman's a better runner. I, 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 to be honest with you, I'm right there with you. I know a lot of people seem to think it's just my love and bias for Philip Lindsay. I, I don't understand why other people don't think that he is a phenomenal NFL running back because this is now the second year in a row he's proved it. Everybody kept saying he was going to fall off last season. And then everybody said coming into this year, like, no, there's no way he can keep it up. And for the most part, he has kept it up all season long. So I am with you. I think Phillip Lindsay is the guy and should be their future running back. But, you know, a lot of people did like – I mean, I won't lie. I liked Royce Freeman coming out of Oregon as well. Uh, When he landed there, I thought it would be more of a – uh, split backfield, uh, you know, in, in all honesty, when I wrote the article that I did about Philip Lindsay in the preseason last season, uh, my thought was I thought if they used him uh, like they used uh, Darren Sproles in New Orleans, when Darren Sproles was that really good, versatile weapon they had in the backfield, they would use him as a runner and a receiver. I thought if they used Philip Lindsay that way, he would be an absolute stud because I didn't expect him to be able to run the ball as well as he has. He even proved me wrong on that part. I thought they might use Royce Freeman more in the running game, and Philip Lindsay is that dynamic threat out of the backfield where I thought he'd just be phenomenal because he did both at Colorado. He was phenomenal in college, and he proved me wrong. He's by far a very good runner as well. His instincts and his vision behind the line and just how quickly he gets upfield as well is phenomenal. So I I love the kid. I wish him nothing but success. Like I said, the only thing I hate is – Earlier this season, uh, because I got Saquon Barkley, I ended up having to move him, and that was one of my last shares of him. I only have one more share of him in a league, and it it does sadden me a little bit that I've had to give up all my shares of Philip Lindsay. I think if uh, you know, as Denver's offense progresses, if they can address the line a little bit and get more consistent quarterback play from from Locke, I actually think Lindsay and Freeman are eerily similar to what we have in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I don't think Royce Freeman's terrible. And I think he, he needs to have a role. I like the idea that they have two young running backs that they can rely on. They alternate. I just feel it's a little bit more like that. There's nothing wrong with Jamal Williams, but if you were looking for the guy that has maybe that little bit of extra, who's capable of giving you those big home runs and big emotional plays, Lindsay, is who I would go over Freeman. He's a fine running back for, for what he is. I think both of them have shown a slight improvement in the passing game this year. I think they 
they both need to take a step forward as receivers, and then we'll see possibly even more dynamic production in year three. I like it. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, the Broncos kind of blitzed uh, Houston there. Houston really got a lot of their points here in garbage time, especially Watson and Hopkins, who were shut down the entire first half pretty much. Uh, Watson ends up going 28-50, 292 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, also gets two rushing touchdowns with 44 yards to come in at QB4 with 30.1 points. Carlos Hyde, RB30. With 8.8.73 yards on 14 carries and 5 yards on 2 catches. And then DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver 5 with 22.7 points. 120 yards on 1 touchdown on 7 catches. So, good game for him. I mean, Kuti had a decent day. 68 yards, 5 catches, but also had the fumble lost. Uh, we found out pretty early on in that day. We You discussed it a little bit yesterday uh, on not knowing... Uh, the Will Fuller thing, Will Fuller being ruled out. I, I've said consistently throughout the season when Will Fuller is out, Hopkins is a stud because Watson just goes to him all the time. I mean, 13 targets, four higher than the next player, which was Jordan Aikens, the tight end. So I, I still firmly believe if you're a Hopkins owner at this point, you want Fuller to stay out the next couple of weeks to go through the fantasy playoffs because he just becomes – the absolute black hole for targets over there. Everything is going to him, and, and it's not going really anywhere else. Uh, and, and with that being said, uh, the Houston Texans, next couple weeks, Titans this week is, is is a decent matchup. Their defense has obviously been fairly decent against the run in the past, but then in week se- uh, 16, they get the Buccaneers, which is obviously, you know, a- anybody can throw. Me and you could go out there this Sunday and probably throw a couple passes and get them completed for a decent yardage on them this week. Uh, so with that being said, moving forward, it's just Watson and Hopkins for me. Is there anybody else that you would play on Houston's offense? I think when Fuller plays, he's worth a play. Um, when he's out, depending on what your situation is, we've seen consistently Duke Johnson take a step up. We saw that again on Sunday, you know, getting eight targets, catching six for 40. When you're in PPR, that puts you into a little bit of flex value. I felt kind of bad for Carlos Hyde. He was running hard. Yeah. And he looked good. They just got so far behind so quickly, it didn't make sense to stand there and hand the ball off. Yeah, uh, my thing with those two is I just don't know if you can trust them uh, with the way they split that backfield. If Hyde was getting some more catches, I would probably lean him because I do think he is the better runner over Duke Johnson. But you just don't know when the Texans are going to be down, which is then when Duke kind of comes in and plays more. And, and it does matter as well with Fuller being out. We have no, we have seen that he gets more playing time with Fuller being out. I just don't know with it being in the fantasy playoffs if you can trust either one of them. I feel like you've got to be pretty hurt, which – we're going to get into here in a little bit all the injuries that just came out earlier today. Maybe you will have to rely on those guys with some of the injuries that came out. Uh, speaking of just getting blitzed, the Jacksonville Jaguars got destroyed by the Chargers in this one, eliminating them from playoff contention 45-10, to putting up a 40-burger here on the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I don't think any of us were expecting. Phillip Rivers, 16-22. 314 yards and three touchdowns to come in at QB8 with 24.6 points. Austin Eckler, RB1 on the week with 29.3 points, 101 yards on eight, or eight carries, 112 yards on four catches and a touchdown. 
Melvin Gordon also has a decent day for you. 12 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Adds 29 yards on five catches to come into RB12 with 16.9 points. Mike Williams, wide receiver 23 with 13.3 points in this one. 63 yards on just two catches and a touchdown. Keenan Allen, 83 yards on five catches to come in at wide receiver 35 with 10.8 points. And Hunter Henry, tight end 11 with 10.9 points in this one. 39 yards, a touchdown on two catches so I mean just Chargers came out balling in this one Jacksonville's defense has really kind of taken a turn here especially after the Jalen Ramsey trade really good earlier in the season just does not look the same uh with that being said I mean Chargers even though they're not technically eliminated I feel like they probably know just like everybody else does they're really not going to get into the playoffs I'm not really starting Rivers I think this was hey one good week for him out of a really bad season that being said Eckler, Gordon, Williams, Allen, and Henry, I still think are all good to go forward. They've all had very good fantasy seasons. Would you trust all those guys as well? Yeah, the Chargers were officially eliminated on Sunday. The the Chargers were part of a group of teams. Jacksonville got officially eliminated. The Chargers, uh, there was somebody else. Um, Early in the day, they had reported that Denver was officially eliminated. They actually, surprisingly, are still mathematically alive. I think it's because they hold all the tiebreakers over the Chargers having swept them. Oh, nice. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, Eckler, Gordon, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, um, depending on how desperate you are, Mike Williams. I mean, they've all seemed to have fantasy value. The, The danger, if you don't get a game like this where they're able to put up 45 points, is that two or three of them, will do well and somebody will take it back see because they just haven't had enough of a high volume offense it seems like this year uh they're playing minnesota um and obviously the vikings have a ton to play for Um, so that's going to be kind of a fierce matchup the other thing that has seemed to be a little bit of an iffy go is what philip rivers are we going to get on sunday he looked Incredible 16 of 22 goes for 314, three TDs, no interceptions, not even under pressure. The week before in Denver, we saw him lollipop an interception to a defensive end. You know, we've seen a couple of times them threatening to possibly put Tyrod Taylor in. That has an impact on the receivers because, you know, no matter how good of a receiver you are, you're only as good as the guy who's able to get you the ball. So, you know, we've seen Minnesota's secondary be vulnerable the last few weeks it feels like they have a little bit better of a defensive front right now than they do a back end um eckler might be the best play i also think with the chargers eliminated probably looking forward to next year the conventional wisdom is melvin gordon's not going to be with the team they made really no effort to end the holdout he the only reason his holdout ended is because he completely caved uh, it seems for sure like they're going to let him walk. They may want to up the reps for Austin Eckler and see, because you know he's been consistently incredible for them anyway and may actually be their future. I personally am hoping we get a little bit of a look at Justin Jackson too, but a lot of questions you know, now that the Chargers are kind of out yeah. looking to the future. 
Yeah, with with them going up against Minnesota, I would agree with you on Eckler because I imagine they'll probably get behind some. And then with the way they've been using Eckler in the receiving game gives him a ton of value. I actually think Keenan Allen uh, and Mike Williams wouldn't be that bad either. You mentioned it. Their front is is terrifying. And that, that in all honesty, will be a little bit of a concern because if they can get to Phillip Rivers, he might, and I wouldn't even say might, he's likely going to have a bad game in this one. Uh, but if he's able to get the ball out to those two, I think those two guys can have good games because this secondary is just god-awful. It's not quite as bad as the Eagles, but I would almost compare those defenses and the fact that that run game and that front for the Eagles is just so scary, and they do a really good job of shutting down the run and everything, but that secondary uh, can just get beat up by anybody. Well, and the tough thing for the Chargers is they're playing at home, which for most teams that would be a boost, but seems to have the complete inverse effect. For this franchise, you can expect there'll probably be quite a few Minnesota fans. It seems like the Chargers play much worse in that small stadium in Carson, so that also would give me pause. They uh, laid this beat down on the Jacksonville Jaguars, who uh, really nobody came through for you in this one. Gardner Minshew, QB 22 with 13.6 points uh, in this one. 24-37, 162, and one touchdown, added 31 yards on the ground. Leonard Fournette, just 50 yards on 15 carries and 13 yards on three catches to come in at RB35 with 7.8 points. And then DJ Char, who actually got hurt in this one as well, wide receiver 31 with 12 points, 75 yards on nine catches. Uh, Chark is the one that I'm watching moving forward. Obviously, he is uh, proven, I think, that he is by far the one in this offense. Had, has had a great relationship with Minshew and Foles, uh, but did leave the game in a walking boot. I have not personally seen anything more on his foot and what it's going to be, so you've got to watch that moving forward. If they say he's ready to go by next week, I'm still playing him because, uh, I mean, he's just been a baller. And same with Fournette. Hopefully, you know, with the Fournette season – you're likely here in the playoffs because of Fournette. You might have lost your matchup because of Fournette this week, unfortunately, uh, with just a bad outing here of just seven points. But if you manage to make it through, you're playing him. They're going up against the Raiders, a team that you can run and throw on. So I imagine both Chark and Fournette bounce back next week. Yeah, Chark with an ankle injury. They said he's day-to-day or week-to-week, uh, according to the coach. Ankles are tough. You know, we've seen people try to play through ankle sprains and not put up production. We've seen people struggle to get back with that. So that's definitely something to bear watching, especially the practice reports. (coughs) Um, I think also if you're a Fournette owner, they lost their guard. Brandon Thomas went on injured reserve with a blown knee. That can't be good. So they're blocking. Mostly... This last four-game stretch, the three with Foles coming back and now uh, with Minshew kind of suggests to me a Jacksonville team that has come apart and given up to some extent. I would not be surprised if there's kind of a house cleaning. There's a a lot of talk about the front office changes. Doug Marone maybe somebody that ends up, you know, moving on. This team doesn't really feel like it has an identity. It's hard to believe this is a team that, Less than two years ago, you know, January of 2018 was in an AFC championship game against the Patriots. Just they've completely 
come unspooled, uh, you know, and I think that's taking an effect on Fournette. We talked yesterday about McCaffrey had been superhuman through most of the season, and, and as his team has kind of fallen apart and they lost their coach and everything, it seems like right. it's dropped him down a little bit of, of a level to where he's he's not just he's not putting up those incredible numbers, you know, for somebody like Fournette who was just putting up solid RB one numbers. That same kind of drag down can put you into middling to low RB two numbers, which it's the worst time of year for fantasy owners. You have to play them, you have to hope, but um, you know it's a very they have not looked good the last few weeks, and it's going to be tough uh, to feel good about them going into the rest of the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it. Like I said, for me, for me, Chark, I think is going to be good. You, have, as you mentioned, you got to watch the practice reports and everything. I, I still think he's. I mean, he got seventy five yards and nine catches. He gets you a touchdown. He really comes through for you. It's not a bad day at all. Fournette. I think it was just they were playing a tough run defense. I think you can still count on those two. Everybody else, though, you can. I mean, Dee Westbrook was having a couple good games here and there. You know, some people were playing Minshew uh, for a while there with the points that he's putting up. I don't think you can play him anymore. I really think it's come down to to just those two moving forward in the fantasy playoffs. Again, you got, they get Oakland this week, so that's a, that's a, a little bit easier matchup. Uh, than what they had. So we'll, we'll see what happens with them. I would imagine you are right. There's a, definitely going to be some off-season changes coming uh, for them. Something that uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you and Tony on the Thursday episodes. And that's when we kind of get to do a lot of our uh, different different topics and everything in the next couple weeks as we get closer and closer to the season. What what changes we, we see coming. I would imagine Jacksonville is going to be one of those teams. There's going to be a lot of changes on uh, once the off-season hits. Tennessee and Oakland played this weekend in a huge matchup for the second wild card spot, and Tennessee gets the win, forty-two to twenty-one. I think almost, pretty much, I, I, from in my opinion, securing that second wild card spot. I, I don't see anybody else really coming up and grabbing that. They, the Titans would have to lose out, uh, I think, in getting that. I mean. Well, they're not currently in the playoffs. Yeah, it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has the yeah. second wild card spot. Uh, I'm not that worried about Pittsburgh. That's just me. I mean, they got a huge win, obviously, against Cleveland two weeks ago and Arizona last week. Uh, but if I'm being honest, I think they should have lost both of those games. I personally am not worried about Pittsburgh. They've got a couple uh, tough games coming up that I think they will end up losing. Where Tennessee, I mean, they've outside of Houston. I shouldn't say that they actually have a tough schedule too. Houston Saints they and then, play Houston, and then Houston. Twice. Yeah, so yeah. that that is a little bit tough. So I guess they're not really in, but that win against Oakland does help. That that really kind of gives them right there with Pittsburgh uh, to get that second wild card spot. Tough schedule for both moving forward, but. Ryan Tannehill has revived his entire career here in Tennessee. 21 of 27, 391, three touchdowns and one interception, 19 yards on the ground. A lot of talk that he'll be back next year. He finishes QB6 with 28.5 points. Derrick Henry continues to roll RB5 with 23.4 points, 103 yards and two touchdowns on 18 carries. Adds just one catch for six yards. A.J. Brown comes through for you big time in this one. Wide receiver one, 31 points, 153 yards, and two touchdowns on five catches. 91 of those coming on the big play there, 91-yard touchdown. And Jonu Smith also has a good day here. A touchdown on three catches and 29 yards, tied in 12 with 10.4 points. And as I said, they're inching closer and closer to the playoffs. Are Jonu Smith and A.J. Brown moving closer and closer to being in your starting lineup? 
Yeah, first I would note Derrick Henry is now officially listed as questionable with a hamstring issue. And, um, you know, that that would be something to watch. Uh, We obviously kind of people who were in the playoffs or relying on running backs got burned a couple of times going into this week when you had the late drop by Le'Veon Bell and then Josh Jacobs, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. So Derrick Henry has been super reliable this year, much to the dismay of both of us. Um, but hamstring issues, soft tissue things are, are things to worry about. I would also be worried about him starting and going out there and not being a hundred percent and then having to, you know, having a a middling game, which is almost worse because you figure a guy like that, if he's active, you have to play him based on what you've seen and you don't know what's going to happen. That feels like almost a bigger roll of the dice. So something to watch, I think a little bit of an underrated story for me. I actually did play AJ Brown last week. Oh, well good for you. I have been kind of, impressed with his big playability uh i think especially they're playing a texans team which i just watched give up plenty of big passing plays he seems to be the receiver that's emerging that has the most chemistry with ryan Tannehill. i think yeah all of us that had hopes for Corey davis are gonna have to let go of those uh it is nice to see johnny smith kind of stepping up delaney walkers is out now for the rest of the year it would be nice to see if smith you know smith I would almost put him, we talked about Ian Thomas last uh, yesterday, you know, a lot of the hopes people and dynasty players have had uh, that he was going to kind of come up and develop into something and, and take over for Olsen. I think the same has been true of Smith, and we've seen more flashes from Johnny Smith than we have uh, from like an Ian <coughs> Thomas. You know, hopefully he can take advantage of this, um, you know, and they can get their passing game. The biggest probably thing, too, that's been going against Tennessee is you don't know is Ryan Tannehill going to throw for like 190 yards, 250 yards. He got almost 400 yards there. I think Drew Locke went for 300-plus against uh, Houston, so that's definitely a team you'd probably be able to throw against. Uh, New Orleans might be more of a shootout. You know, We might have a couple of good passing matchups coming up, and A.J. Brown seems to be kind of peaking. And, you know, he's a rookie. Now he's hitting – week 15 as a professional it would make sense that he's kind of starting to come up there was reason people were so high on his talent and he obviously has a great opportunity there is no alpha dog in tennessee a great opportunity for him to step up and take that role yeah i mean i i feel like you almost kind of have to i know a lot of people are really big or have been really big on Corey davis but he's just not showing anything worth it. I mean, A.J. Brown's a rookie, and we have seen him kind of really take a big step forward, which is not surprising. A lot of people, including myself, loved A.J. Brown coming out of Ole Miss. Had him up there as our number one wide receiver. I had him at number two right behind D.K. Metcalf, so he was definitely extremely talented coming into the play or into the playoffs, into the NFL. I'm, I'm happy that he's showing this production with, with Ryan Tannehill. I still think for me he's more of a flex-worthy guy. I know he put up 31 points this week, but he obviously also has those really bad weeks as well uh, just due to the fact that they rely so heavily on Derrick Henry. Now, maybe with Henry being out this week, they rely a little bit more on the pass. Uh, but I'm with you. I think at this point, you you said you played him last week. I think he's got to be in your lineup just based on his talent and what he's shown over the past couple weeks. On the Raiders' side, I can't imagine there's really anybody on this team we're putting in our lineups. There's two players, and we'll obviously get to one of them who who might be playing more now here 
Derek Carr, though, comes in at QB 14 with 20.20 uh, 20 points in this one, or 20.2 points. 25 for 34, 263 yards and two touchdowns in this one. Uh, DeAndre Washington leads the backfield here with Josh Jacobs being out. 53 yards on 14 carries and a touchdown. Adds 43 yards on six catches to come in at RB10 with 18.6 points. Uh, Gafford, oh, I forgot, uh, Rico Gafford, I was going to call him Rico Gathers there for a minute, Rico Gafford Uncle gets, Rico. His, yeah, gets his one catch for 49 yards and a touchdown to be the only wide receiver worth anything here, wide receiver 33 with 11.4 points, and then Darren Waller, 73 yards on six catches, tied in 14 with 9.3 points, Dennis said to start Waller, I wasn't so sure about that, so he comes through for you there on that call. DeAndre Washington, we know that Jacobs was obviously ruled out last week. I have a feeling from the stuff he's been posting on social media, he's likely going to be out again this week. We talked about it a little bit on the podcast yesterday with him dealing with that cracked shoulder. A lot of people thought he was going to be good coming in. He had been playing with it. I think you said it was like back since week 10 or something like that. So he's been playing with it for a while. Then there was a lot of news that came out late Friday, Saturday, that he might miss the game. He ends up missing... Uh, are you trusting Washington in, in Jacob's place if he's going to miss the next couple games? Um, I definitely am in week 15. They're hosting Jacksonville, who um, we just talked about uh, almost functionally doesn't exist on defense. And it's the last game ever for them at the Oakland Coliseum. It's their last home game. They're moving to Las Vegas in the offseason, so I think there's going to be a lot of emotion. But the Raiders are tough. Uh, Foster Moreau went on IR uh, today. He had gotten three for 14 and a touchdown. The other kind of tight end that competes with Waller, so that might help him a little bit. But their their passing game has been tough. Their running game has has been probably the most steady part. I thought Washington, you know, he wasn't he didn't blow you away, but based on volume alone, seven targets, he ends up catching six for 43. Gets, uh, you know the bulk of the carries and obviously going to be kind of a favorable matchup in a game that the Raiders are going to want to win and go out on a high note. Right. Uh, Jacksonville hasn't been very good. So I I would say it's probably matchup based uh, more than, than me being super excited about Deandre Washington. Yeah. I mean, for me, the way I look at it is he's likely going to continue to be the workhorse and, and we know that he can catch the ball. Now, so can Jalen Richard. Uh, but DeAndre Washington coming out of Texas Tech had a lot of high hope or a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for him. I think if Jacobs is going to be ruled out, I'm with you. Jacksonville, pretty good matchup for him. I'm rolling with him this week if Jacobs is out. Well, and I would say, too, it feels like Richard has completely fallen out of favor. Preseason, I was kind of high on Jalen Richard because he had had a lot of receptions. He'd seemed like a good third down back who had kind of taken over that number two role. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we haven't seen him be a, a complete non-factor this season. And now even when Jacobs is out, Washington comes in and, and is is the man. Richard was, you know, he got a few carries. He only got three targets. He got about half as much work. Yeah. Let's see here. Next up, the Chiefs and the Patriots. The Patriots are getting kind of jobbed in this one for the first time in a long time. Obviously, a lot of scandal around uh, the Patriots as well at the moment. But the Chiefs go into Foxborough and win 23-16, break New England's home game winning streak. 
Patrick Mahomes, though, not a great day. 26 of 40, 283 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Did bang his hand in this one and hurt his thumb. We'll see what happens. Everybody's saying everything's going to be good to go, so I guess you shouldn't be too worried about him. Uh, But does come in at QB 20 with 14.9 points. Darwin Thompson uh, has the best day here at running back, mostly due to the the receiving work he gets. Uh, Seven yards on just four carries, but 36 yards on four catches. McCoy gets the most of the carries, but just 39 yards on 11 carries. Travis Kelsey, 66 yards on seven catches. Uh, to have the best day here at, uh, at out of the receiving group at tight end. Tyree Kill just 62 yards on six catches, coming at wide receiver 39 with 10 points. And then Miko Hardman, wide receiver 34 with 11.3 points. Uh, that is all due to the one catch he got for 48-yard touchdown. With Mahomes being hurt, I mean, I still think you kind of have to play him. We've seen Hardman, though, has really kind of been a guy that he's looked to. Now, again, in this game, just the one target, one catch, and a touchdown. You're playing Hill. You're playing Kelsey. I think you're, for me, you're avoiding this entire backfield now going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know McCoy is there and, and Williams is likely out. So it's going to be quote unquote uh, McCoy and Thompson with uh, Darrell Williams also being out. I just don't think you can trust either one of those guys. For me, I'm trusting Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, and then possibly Hardman in my flex. What are your thoughts on Hardman and the running backs for KC? Running back is a mess because, you know, Spencer Ware, who they signed off the street, uh, was back a part of it too. Gets two targets, gets five carries, actually more carries than Darwin Thompson. Damian Williams um, is still questionable. There is a chance he plays. You know, I think that just muddies the water. I'd stay away from that pretty much entirely. They're playing Denver this week, so it's not exactly a soft defensive matchup, and they haven't really established a good rushing identity. Um, it bears watching Patrick Mahomes. They, they said there's no break, but he has a serious bruise on his hand. Uh, you know, hand injury for a quarterback in cold weather um, is not a great recipe. Um, and it's not a bad secondary they're going to be going up against. Denver safeties, uh, Simmons and Jackson are really coming on. Chris Harris is back there. Um, you know, that's not great news for either Kelsey or Hill. Um, I have said in in the past it has seemed like the, the receiver opposite the the dominant number one receiver has had the most success against that Denver secondary. You know, you have Watkins out there. He he got eight targets. He seems to be starting. I like Miko Hardman's big home run ability, but in the playoffs, I don't know how you can feel comfortable starting a guy. He had a 48-yard touchdown. That was his only target. Yeah. You know, I have a, a lot of questions about that, I think it's also going to depend on what kind of game they're in. The Chiefs defense was able to kind of bottle up New England. You know, the Patriots weren't scoring a lot. This was a game that was 20-7 to at the half, and that allowed the Chiefs to play a little bit different and to be a little more conservative and to kind of hold on. Which Denver team are we going to get? Are we going to get the Denver team that put up 20 on the Vikings in the first half, that put up 31 on the Texans in the first half, or are we going to get the Denver team that looked like they had never played offensive football (laughs) in Buffalo? You know, Drew Locke has been very impressive to me for two games, but a lot of what people have wondered is, has he been helped out by them having almost no film, no professional film on him? Because he didn't play that much in the preseason uh, before he got hurt, and he was gone kind of all season and we saw 
Brandon Allen, who, you know, obviously not quite as talented, come out and thrive for, you know, a game and a half too, because nobody had ever seen him play. And when defenses started to figure out, you know, they're getting paid too. And the Chiefs defense has gotten a little bit better as the season's gone along. Um, so that's going to be kind of a question. I, I have a feeling this could actually be a lower scoring, maybe more ugly game, which is tough for fantasy too. This is not the same Chiefs offense we had last year where it was just yeah. start all your Chiefs and go to town. Well, I mean, they played a really good game earlier in the season too, so I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I hope Locke has a good game. This will actually be one of the games that I'll be tuning into uh, this Sunday. As, as we've talked about, I feel like a couple times here, you want to see everything you can out of Locke to see if they've got their guy. And I mean, through two games, I think they've got their guy, uh, and I think it's going to be an interesting matchup with the Chiefs here. I, I, I am with you on the Mahomes thing. It does scare me, but at this point, I'd imagine if you reach that high for Mahomes in your drafts, you probably don't have a decent backup quarterback because you weren't expecting him uh, to fall off the way that he did. And some of that is due to the injury to his knee, obviously, which I'm still surprised that dude came back after two weeks with dislocated knees. That's just ridiculous to begin with. Uh, but outside of the, the – I guess it depends on the options you have. I just can't imagine you have a much better option than him. I agree. I don't think it's going to be a huge game for him against Denver. Uh, but at this point, I think you've got to play him just based on the upside that he could have a good game if Denver doesn't show up like they did in, against Buffalo, as you were just talking about. On uh, the Patriots side here, they just continue to be absolutely horrid on offense. Uh, Tom Brady comes in at QB 28 in this one with 11.8 points, uh, going just 19-36 uh, for 169 yards, one touchdown, one interception. James White, 33 yards on six carries, adds 27 yards on five catches to come in at RB 25 with 9.9 points. James White, Sony Michelle, eight yards on five carries, does pretty much nothing in the receiving game as well. Julian Edelman, for me, continues to be the only player worth starting on this offense. Ninety-five yards on eight catches and a touchdown. I just, I mean, we thought maybe it looked early too, like Sony Michelle was going to be the guy. I think they started the drives against the uh, the Chiefs with like four carries. By Sony Michelle, and then just nothing the rest of the game. They get the Bengals this week. I mean, I don't care that it's the Bengals and that they're horrible. For me, it's just Julian Edelman on this offense. Yeah, and depending on the depth of your league, maybe White as a flex play because he seems to be doing that. I mean, he had a 35-yard pass on Sunday, too. Uh, they seem to be using him uh, quite a bit all over the field. But I don't know how you could feel good about trusting any other pieces in the passing game other than Edelman and Michelle, you don't new England. We've talked about, they're not building leads to yeah. a point where they're able to sustain running the ball. Their offensive line is not opening these huge holes. And Michelle just has not looked like quite the same player. You know, it seems like a good matchup with Cincinnati, but we've seen some, you know, who knows if the Patriots were able to film enough of the Bengals <laughs> sideline to get an advantage. Yeah, so. that's going to be a I'm def we're definitely going to talk about that on Thursday's podcast. <laughs> I've got some interesting thoughts on that. But uh yeah, I mean I'm I'm going to really be interested to see where Sony Michelle Stott goes in the offseason. He'll be a player all earmarked for us to talk about in the offseason cuz I honestly feel like 
I, I could also see a lot of changes coming to New England as well next year. This oh, team has sure. just been completely different, just not ex- not at all what we thought it was going to be. And it would be interesting to see if Sony Michelle takes a leap forward next year when we all thought it was going to happen this year, especially with a lot of that offensive line coming back and being healthy because they've had a lot of issues on that offensive line this well, year. I think the big question that you know I would ask is you, last year – Tom Brady still looked like Tom Brady pretty well all the way through. Obviously, they yeah. went uh, went to the Super Bowl. This year, it feels like it's been more of a struggle all the way around. And New England, while they they started out really hot and their defense was really going good for a while, they only have three losses. But each of their losses is to the division leader of the other divisions yeah. in the AFC. That's a horrible trend to have going into the playoffs. Should they lose to Buffalo in a couple weeks here, they could actually end up getting knocked down to be a wild card. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, New England, you can never count them out because we've seen them for 20 years now rolling through stuff. But they look a level of vulnerable that I don't remember seeing in quite quite a a little bit of time, you know, especially against the, the top tier of the AFC. And you just have to wonder, is this, you know, is this maybe actually the year where Brady decides to go? I think he really misses Gronkowski. He misses some of yeah. his friends and their their offense. Uh, you know, I have never been a huge Josh McDaniels fan as a Broncos fan. Right. Um, I love that experience. <laughs> it's been mystifying. He, you know, for all the talk about him. You, you know, I thought he was a poor head coach, but he's always seemed to be a pretty innovative offensive coach. He doesn't seem to have been able to make any kind of adjustments, even though they have some players we think seem like they should be talented. They just haven't, you know, they weren't able to use Josh Gordon in any meaningful way and cut him loose. That was kind of weird. Um, you know, they said Demarius Thomas was washed up. We sent him to the Jets. He hasn't been incredible, but he's had a pretty steady season for the Jets. Yeah. Um, and it seems like something that they could have used in this New England passing game. They haven't been able to get anything going with running backs. Their rotations seem to be failing them. They, you know, they used four backs on Sunday. White, Burkhead, you threw Brandon Bolden out there, Sony Michelle. You know, you can sense the desperation people were talking about. I was watching Football Night in America. They did three or four huge trick plays just to be able to move the ball. And I know they got some unfortunate calls against them, but that happens to teams, you know, all the time. They just don't seem to be able to find answers. And that's not what you expect when you're mid-December watching New England. Yeah, I mean, this is usually the time that New England comes alive, and and you're starting to be. They're usually doing this stuff earlier in the season, and everybody's questioning them, like, "Oh man, is New England finally washed up? Are they finally done with it?" At this point in time of the year, they're dominating everybody, and it seems to be the opposite. Although, you know, in all honesty, we've been talking about it all season. The, the Patriots have just not looked right all season. We we don't think, at least I personally, have not thought that this offense has looked good at all outside of Edelman. And I'm with you. I do think they're missing some kind of you know, big other player. I mean, he goes to Edelman all the time, and Edelman has been making it work. But we saw it a couple times in that uh, 
in that game against the Chiefs when Edelman was getting doubled and he couldn't get the ball to him. He was going to Myers. Myers was dropping a couple big passes. I mean, Nikhil Harry did get screwed on his touchdown uh, play, obviously, but that was because they didn't have challenges to be able to challenge it. So maybe it's a completely different game if he ends up being able to score that touchdown. But it's just... It's been a weird year for New England, and like I said, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes in the offseason because this is a team we thought Tom Brady would probably be around for at least another year, maybe two, but he is out of contract this year. Maybe this is finally the end, and, and a lot of AFC teams can finally start breathing because uh, Tom Brady is going to be gone. Next up, we've got the Duck Hodges and the Pittsburgh Steelers going into Arizona and beating them 23-17. to uh, Duck Hodges goes 16-19, 152 yards and one touchdown to come in at QB 23 with 13.5 points. Jalen Samuels leads the running back scores here, getting you 16 yards on seven carries and 18 yards on two catches, so not really that great of a day. To come in at RB55 with 4.4 points. And Deontay Johnson, 60 yards, six catches, and a touchdown in this one to be the best wide receiver. Wide receiver 13 with 16.6 points. All those people hoping James Washington was going to have another good game. Just 33 yards on four catches. There's a lot of talk that Juju will be back this week for the Steelers. That being said, I don't think I can trust anybody on this offense. What about you? No, and they're playing Buffalo. This offense has been the the equivalent of the NFC East watching an (laughs) NFC East team play. Um, You know, and I think all those people that talk, uh, you know, about him winning coach of the year if the Steelers get into the playoffs for Mike Tomlin are are spot on because I I don't know this offense it's amazing that they win the games they do Deontay Johnson probably helps you a lot too because he returned a punt for a touchdown yeah uh, you know unless you're playing the defense special teams uh, from Pittsburgh I I just don't see how you can feel good about anybody I thought maybe we had something going with James Washington. Um, you know, that was pretty crushing this week. Uh, you know, I don't know that you can rely on Johnson. If Juju comes back, it's even more mixed up. And Buffalo has a has a very good defense and yeah. a very good secondary, so it's not ideal at all. I would, in a crucial game like that, I think you'd be a stay away. But most of the people that were probably heavily invested in the Steeler offense didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, that or got eliminated last week because I know a lot of people played Benny Snell and uh, he obviously did not come Ugh, through Benny for you Snell. at all. <laughs> Those two point one points, you know, didn't yeah. really do it for me either. Yeah, that was uh, that was unfortunate. On the Cardinals side, Kyler Murray QB twenty six on the week with thirteen points in this one. Uh, not a great day, but kind of expected against a really good defense in Pittsburgh. Twenty of thirty, one ninety four, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, and adds just two yards rushing on the day. We have a David Johnson sighting. He is not dead yet. So, you know, stop the presses. Stop all the obituaries. We're not throwing dirt on him just yet. He actually is back and alive. RB28, 12.3 points, 19 yards on three carries, 34 yards on two catches, and a touchdown. Kenyon Drake, 37 yards on 11 carries in this one. 30 yards on three catches. To come in at RB32 with 8.2 points. And Christian Kurt actually has a decent day here. Wide receiver, 25 with 12.9 points. 85 yards on eight catches. So if you played him, as Dennis talked about on Friday's podcast, congrats to you. Way to, way to uh, you know, 
not listen to me because I I did not have the balls to play him, and he comes through for you. Uh, the big thing here, I think, is going to be Kenyon Drake and David Johnson. Kenyon Drake gets 11 carries to Johnson's three. Three targets for, for Drake and two for Johnson. So we still playing Drake over Johnson. You think it was just a lucky, I guess, play that Johnson gets a touchdown? What do we think? Is David Johnson back? Still leading Drake. What do you do with these running backs? If you saw the touchdown reception that Johnson got, it was kind of a um, a little bit of a lucky play, a blown yeah. coverage. He got kind of a 24-yard score. They seem to prefer Drake to Johnson. I think one of the many things that uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to have to answer for at the end of the season is what exactly is going on with Johnson. It doesn't seem like it's injury. Um, seems like it's something else. Chase Edmonds obviously working himself back. We saw... Him getting in on a few plays, which just means that this is another team that's not putting out high volume, that's using multiple uh, running backs, two or three people out there, yeah. which makes it a fantasy disaster. They don't have a terrible matchup, you know. I, you know, I don't want to speak ill of the Browns, um, no, but that's ahead. not not a defense that you're incredibly afraid of. Um, okay. You know, obviously, we just saw Mixon have a great day in Cleveland. So you would think there is some potential for rushing. I just don't. The offensive identity for the Cardinals seems to have regressed as we've gone throughout the season. Um, My favorite Cardinals thing right now is Matthew Berry every Tuesday tweeting out the the Cardinals are oh and whatever since they trolled fans. Um, (laughs) About the chase. Maybe maybe a little bit of karma for them. But I, I, the hardest part for Arizona is you think air raid should be fun to watch and should put up yards and points if nothing else. We haven't really seen it consistently, especially of late. They have some guys that you feel you want to get excited about, a Kenyon Drake or a David Johnson or a Kyler Murray or a Christian Kirk. But the consistency, the identity, you know, what can you expect from them? I you know, we're 14 weeks into the season, and I don't have a good feel for what you should expect of Arizona Cardinals football, and I think that's the tough part when you're in this space in the fantasy season. Yeah, I think for me, going into going into the Browns matchup, I'm probably going Drake, and I might lean Kirk in a flex spot. I do think he's likely going to get Denzel Ward, and the one thing I can say about that Browns defense is Ward has been phenomenal. Now, anybody who goes with against Greedy Williams is getting all kinds of points, so play that person, which is probably going to be Fitzgerald. Uh, but if he goes up against Ward, I think he's going to have a tough day. We'll get some points because uh, Ward doesn't always travel either. So we'll be definitely an interesting matchup. Obviously, I'm not going to lie. Again, I'll be hoping that the Cardinals beat the Browns and just end this crappy hope that we have that we're going to make the playoffs because I'm tired of tired of hearing about it. I just want it to be over with already so I can focus on hopefully another, well, probably losing season next year as well. Next up, the Sunday night football game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams did not go at all the way that I thought it was going to go. Rams beating the Seahawks 28-12. Russell Wilson, 22-36, 245, no touchdowns, one interception to come in at QB 29 with 11.6 points. Chris Carson, 15 carries, 76 yards, uh, no touchdowns, 15 yards on three catches to come in at running back 21 with 10.6 points. And DK Metcalf, 78 yards. 
yards on six catches. Wide receiver 36 with 10.8 points. Lockett just 43 yards on four catches. Did get six targets, though, tied with Hollister and Metcalf. So a lot of things to talk about here with Seattle. Obviously, me and you have both been saying it. I don't know why we can't get Dennis on board here, but DK Metcalf is an absolute lock for your lineup every single week. I know me and you, I feel like we've been saying that since probably back in week seven or eight. Uh, it may be even longer than that. I've loved Metcalf this rookie year. I think he's really come through for you. The running back. So we saw earlier today that Rashad Penny got put on IR. He has a torn ACL that sucks for a guy who's really come on the past couple weeks. Uh, really looked like he was finally starting to take a stranglehold of this backfield. So I think that means Chris Carson, if you've got him, you're firing him up. He's going to go back to being the workhorse uh, again moving forward. And Tyler Lockett as well. I am worried about him. Me and you talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago. Coming back from a very serious leg injury was in the hospital for a couple days. You talked about him uh, really not getting a lot of targets and everything those first couple weeks coming back. Are you worried about Lockett these next two weeks? And uh, do you agree with me on the whole Carson thing that he's good to go now with, unfortunately, Penny going down with the injury? Yeah, especially in week, uh, I guess we're in 15 now, week 15, they're at Carolina. Um, and we've seen the the – Panthers defense has just yeah. imploded. Everybody can um, run through You've them. been running all over them. So, you know, you got to be pretty excited if you own Carson, uh, because not only is he getting a good matchup, he won't be in any kind of a timeshare with Penny, who unfortunately, um, you know, I, I was impressed. I thought he was making some gains, looked like he was developing more into that kind of player that they spent a first round pick on. So kind of a tough way for him to end. In terms of receivers, I, Metcalf and Lockett, I still like them. I would say that I would label them more as wide receiver threes right now um, with potential upside. Either one of them could boom with a huge touchdown. Um, but I feel like you're also probably in that safe 8 to 14 range every week. Um, you know, Lockett's had a couple of tough games. He seems like he's getting a little better. He His targets have upticked. It's not a bad matchup this week. Right. And the Seahawks, you know, after kind of riding high for a while, this loss will uh, put them a little bit back on their heels, maybe make them a little more aggressive, um, you know, because now they hold the tiebreaker against Minnesota for a wild card slot. They hold the tiebreaker for San Francisco at the moment, but they have a matchup with them. Uh, coming up so I, I think it's going to be kind of a, a big press you know no none of these teams want to end up as the top wild card because if you're the top wild card no matter what you have to travel and we've seen you know we make jokes about the NFC East but the Seahawks know very well you can have a middling season win your division be seven and nine get to host an 11 win team in the playoffs and march your way to the second round um, that being at home means a lot and you know i think you're going to see them pressing and trying to get back to form um it feels like it was just an off game in la and sometimes it happens yeah on the Rams side, we saw Jared Goff bounce back somewhat from three miserable outings here. QB 16 with 18.1 points in this one. He goes 22 of 31, 293, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Todd Gurley continues to all of a sudden be a workhorse for him again. 73 yards on 23 carries and one touchdown. 
to get you uh, to come in as RB8 with 19.3 points. Robert Woods, huge day here. Wide receiver 6 with 22.2 points, 29 yards on 2 carries, 98 yards on 7 catches, and a touchdown. And then Tyler Higby continues to step up in Gerald Everett's absence. Comes in at tight end 6 this week with 15.3 points, 116 yards on 7 catches. Cooper Cup. Get you eleven point or sorry twelve points with uh, forty five yards, four catches, and one touchdown. Uh, I mean, with the Rams, we've seen that, that when they are at home, they play really good. Have the Cowboys in Dallas next week, so I feel like you can't trust Jared Goff. But I do think you can trust Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Robert Woods, outside of a couple bad games in the middle of the season, has actually been their most consistent wide receiver yet again this season. He continuously yep. gets overlooked. I love Robert Woods. Own him in a couple leagues. Obviously, those leagues I didn't make the playoffs in. Wish I would have because he obviously would have helped me out this week. But regardless, Robert Woods, I think he is good to play the rest of the year, even with them going up against the 49ers in Week 17. And Todd Gurley as well. He, he's They seem to all of a sudden realize that he's still a very good running back, and they're running him at running him all using him to run all over opponents to try and get back into the playoffs. Uh, so I'm good with Gurley as well. What are you doing with the Rams offense? Yeah, I think you you nailed it there with uh, Gurley, Woods, and Cup, and maybe all the talk early in the season that they were trying to pace Todd Gurley's workload so he would be available to ride when they needed him most was actually their plan and wasn't a smokescreen because we've seen his usage steadily go up. Um, you know, another great game for Higby with Everett out. I think if Everett's out again, I have some interest in Higby if I need a tight end. Um, okay. Two weeks over a hundred yards. Uh, he seems to have some kind of a connection with Goff, and he's obviously a guy that they they like to some degree because you know he was one of those that got a long term extension early in the season. The real mystery to me is is Brandon Cooks. Yeah. He was obviously active, gets a couple of targets, no receptions. I it it's inexplicable to me what's happened to him. If he was still out with concussion, you know, I totally understand that, but it's weird to me that he's back and active and just forgotten and the one that they paid as well like when you go back and look at yeah. it they, they paid him just to, well, i think it was last season or right before last season so yeah they're they're on the hook for him for a couple seasons and yeah it's just been bad maybe you know as someone who likes brandon cooks and thinks he's a good wide receiver i'm hoping that it just has something to do with the just continuous concussions and him really not being healthy all season long, but it has definitely been weird. Even when he's been out there, uh, he's been outshined by Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. I think he's had two good games the entire season, and that's it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Cooks in the offseason as well. I think uh, he'll be another player that we'll earmark and talk about here in a couple weeks with changes coming because I would not be I would be interested to see if he might end up getting moved to a different team. Well, the rough thing for the Rams is they they got rid of all their draft picks. Yeah. And they've invested all these long-term contracts in in big money deals in a high set of kind of stud players. So they were going to have to play stars and scrubs, which is fine when you're winning your division and going to championship games or Super Bowls. But the reality for them is they're third in their own division right now, and there isn't a clear path for them ascending over. You know, San Francisco's young and has been building. Uh, Seattle seems to have one of the best front offices in football, oh, constantly yeah. able to reload and rebuild. So that would be kind of the scary thing for me, as if I was a Rams fan, is you know they're also next year supposed to, I believe, move into their brand new stadium. 
you know, and a year ago this time, it looked like they were going to be going in on a high note as a powerhouse franchise. And I think that's why they, they splashed out to lock these players up. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do because they don't have the draft capital anymore to reload. And they have a lot of high priced talent that, in my opinion, hasn't looked cohesive this year. They haven't oh, yeah. had the dynamic offense they had last year. They at times have had real problems on defense. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done for them. You know, I think a team like Philly is almost in the same boat. They're consistently bumping up against the cap. You know, we'll talk about them here in a second. And, and they've had the same struggles on both sides of the ball. You know, some of these teams that were built to win now that aren't able to win now, it's going to be a problem next year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be uh, interesting for them, too, because they've also made those trades to get Jalen Ramsey, and and he he's yeah. technically under contract through next season. They're going to have to find some time to pay him, and we'll see what he does. He yeah. said that he's going to he's willing to play on that on that money next season, but he does want a new contract after that. We'll see if he sticks to that. Uh, but yeah, it, it Rams are not in a great place. I, I do think a lot of it, if I'm being honest, those centers around how bad golf has been this year. And part of that I put on Sean McVay because I feel like at the same time, the same thing I could say about Freddie, it just doesn't seem like he makes any adjustments at all in the game. Like he comes in with the game plan, this is what we're going to do. And then when it doesn't work, he just keeps doing it. He doesn't switch it up. He doesn't try and make adjustments to what the defense is doing. Uh, and we haven't really seen that out of Sean McVay. This is the first time we've seen him struggle. Now he's obviously turned it around. They are eight and five. Uh, but as you said earlier, there's really, uh, I mean, they're an outside shot to make the playoffs. They're going to need Minnesota to completely fall apart here the next couple of weeks, which I don't see happening. Uh, for them to get into or the Seattle. Yeah, I don't well, I don't see that happening either. I think they've got a better shot of Minnesota falling apart than Seattle. Last but not least, you mentioned it, the Eagles, the craptastic Monday night football game. The Eagles come through in overtime over the Giants, 23-17. Eli Manning is back in there, looked like elite Eli in the first half, and then uh, the 2016 and 2017 Eli in the second half. 15 to 30, 203 yards and two touchdowns in this one to come in a QB 18 with 16 points. Saquon Barkley continues to struggle, RB 31 with 8.2 points, 66 yards on 17 carries, uh, and just one yard on three catches in the receiving game. Darius Slayton, though, huge game. Wide receiver three, 29.9 points, 154 yards on five catches and two touchdowns in this one. I mean, really for me, you got to keep playing Barkley because he has the talent, but man, he has just not looked right. And and I don't know if he has any. I don't know if he he gets you double digits the next two weeks. He he has just not been good. Uh, Darius Slayton is the only guy I'm sliding into my lineup every single week and feeling good about. And if you're in a dynasty league and you got him off your waiver wire, you should feel good because I honestly think he is going to be the number one in New York moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he seems like the the best play right now. It's there's a lot of talk about whether they even try to bring Daniel Jones back this season. I, I think if it's me, I probably don't just let him, Yeah, I'm with you know, you. cause the shine kind of went off the apple. He lost eight straight games before he went out. If you're just going to play out the string, they do get Miami next week, which figure is a good matchup. They, they have so many problems. I feel like this is another team where a uh, true house cleaning is coming because to have some of the pieces that they have on offense and to look this lost at times is 
is shocking. I mean, Saquon Barkley looked like a generational talent uh, last year. Now he looks like Derrick Henry's poor cousin. <laughs> and, and, you know, you figure fundamentally he didn't change as a person. Something is not right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And I've been saying that for a while. The problem is... He keeps refuting that. He said multiple times in interviews that he is not injured, he is fine, he is good to go, everybody's playing hurt at this point. So it's hard to know what to believe. Like, do I believe that he is playing hurt? Yes, but for what he's saying, and he's not wrong, all NFL players are somewhat hurt at this point. Nobody is healthy. So we don't know if it's more of an injury or if he's just hurt. But I'm with you. I can't say that it's all the offensive line because the offensive line was not much better last year. It might have actually been worse last year, and we saw what he did. I, I just think it's I, something about this scheme. I, I don't personally believe it's a totally a physical injury. You know, I think that would explain why a guy's not getting 125 yards. He's just getting, like, 95 yards. Right. But the the sluggishness, the, the inability to do anything with touches and to, to make anything happen, this was a guy who was almost was arguably more impressive as a receiver than as a running back last oh, year. And yeah, it's by far. Not, he's not able to do anything in the receiving game. This, to me, feels schematic. It feels... Inability to make adjustments, you know. Yeah, there's something going on. I don't, I don't pin it down to all being a physical ailment, um, but it's just been a really, uh, a really tough year. You know, we went in these, these three down all phase running backs are what you have to have to be successful in fantasy. We've talked about it a couple times. If you took Barkley, or if you took Kamara, or if you took Bell, or even if you took Zeke really high in your draft and built the whole thing around him and mortgaged a lot to have that, you probably aren't in your playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, you had to have drafted really good outside of those guys. I mean, speaking of someone who who I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but in, in our FLA uh, draft, I was able to do that because of the – it was really the wide receivers that I landed on my team. I know I have like Godwin – uh, well, Diggs hasn't been that great. I'm pretty sure I have been, but I think I got Nick Chubb in the second round, and that's kind of been what my lifesaver has been because he's really become my RB1, which I was not expecting when I took Zeke at like five or six overall in that draft. So, yeah, if you've taken those guys, chances are you are not uh, – if you made the playoffs, you're probably struggling to get in there. I think Zeke's probably been the best out of those three that you named, obviously, because he hasn't gotten hurt uh, and has still been getting some work in the passing game. But uh, it, it's it's just been a weird year. And, yeah, I'm with you. The one thing I will say on Barkley, and you mentioned it, it I don't even think it's a question. He was by far a, a better receiver last year than he was a running back. Most of his points came out of the receiving game. He he was not doing as much in the running game as we all thought he was, and a lot of it was due to that offensive line. But we're not even seeing that in the receiving game this year, and that might go to what you're saying there with the, with the way that they're scheming their offense. Carson Wentz uh, ends up the day as QB 11 with 21.9 points in this one, leading the Eagles to come back in overtime. He goes 33 of 50, 325 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Boston Scott comes in for the injured Miles Sanders, gets 59 yards on 10 carries and a touchdown. 
uh, does add 69 yards on six catches to come in at RB7 with 21.8 points. Miles Sanders was looking good before the injury. Finishes the day as RB29 with 8.9 points, 45 yards on 15 carries, uh, 24 yards on four catches. Zach Ertz has the big day here, 91 yards on nine catches and two touchdowns to come in at tight end one with 25 points. Greg Ward Jr., wide receiver, 59 with 5.4 points, 34 yards on four catches. Alshon Jeffrey is done for the year. We saw him uh, non-contact injury in this one was going blocking on a run. I can't believe he was. I can't remember if he was blocking or he was just running a route. But he was running on the field non-contact. Pulls up lame. You could tell injured. I didn't see exactly what the the diagnosis was on him, but I do know that he is out for the year. Uh, so for me, moving forward, it's just Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders. If Sanders is able to come back, he is dealing with an injury as well. Well, Jordan Howard was close, uh, close to uh, being able to play. So, um, you know, that might be something worth watching. For Alshon Jeffrey, they're just saying some kind of a foot injury um, is what I'm seeing on the injury report. I don't know if it's uh, if they uh, have given more of an update on that, but Philadelphia, man. The the injuries, they said last night there was a point in time where uh, Josh McCown, who's their, what, 40-year-old backup quarterback, was yeah. preparing to enter the game at wide receiver. That tells you yeah, where bad. Philly is at. Uh, you know, they're playing Washington this week, not a terrible matchup. Then Dallas, then the Giants again. They have a soft schedule, which you, you'd like to be excited about. But I'm with you. Ertz, you can rely on. I've liked Dallas Goddard. If you're if you're desperate, you know we have seen a couple of uh, steps back. I don't think there's any receivers you can trust. A lot of people had high hopes for JJ Arcega Whiteside going into the season, but even with the complete decimation of their wide receiver core, he doesn't seem to be able to carve out much of a meaningful role. Um, I've liked Miles Sanders' uh, talent and big playability, but it's hard to know if he's going to get, you know, enough opportunities. This entire Eagles offense, sometimes it's hard to know if they're going to get kind of enough opportunities. You know, you'd like to be on the passing game because it seems like their own secondary is so porous that almost every team has an ability to put up points against them. It's going to be a real fascinating, you know, week 16, which is championship for most fantasy people watching uh, Philly and Dallas play (laughs) each other because – the one thing you would say about Dallas is when they're playing weak sister secondaries, their own passing game has been pretty impressive. Uh, and Philadelphia, you know, to see Eli Manning, who hadn't played in 10 weeks and who hasn't looked like he had a pulse for a couple of years, no offense to him, come out there and kind of destroy them in the first half has to give everybody a moment of pause. Yeah, that week 16 matchup is likely I would uh, I think going to be the uh the winner is going to end up winning that craptastic NFC East we keep talking about and uh, uh, yeah. as, as much as I don't want it to be the Cowboys, I don't know how you can pick the Eagles out of those two teams. I mean, they they still have yet to sign somebody off the street. Uh, they need to do something at wide receiver because they they've literally got yeah. nobody else there right now. I mean, I I probably have a shot of throwing on an Eagles jersey and going and suiting up for them and doing something for them next week against Washington. 
Well, shit, if Josh McCown was warming up at wide receiver, I mean, that's pretty well all you need to know about their injury situation. Just yeah. a, a real kind of lost season for them, I guess. Yeah, I feel like they're the, the – I think a fair way to put it is they're the Colts of the NFC, a team that had came in with a lot of promise yeah. and were doing – I mean, they were not doing nearly as good as the Colts were, but once they started getting hit with that injury bug, I mean, their season has just gone downhill fast. Uh, really quick before we get out of here, there were two more players that hit the IR we just want to mention today. Uh, one of them, unfortunately, a guy that I love uh, in Darius, guys. I hate that he is down. We talked about him a little bit yesterday. Uh, we weren't sure how serious it was going to be. It's just an MCL sprain, so it's nothing serious uh, like he's dealt with before. But Washington went ahead and shut him down anyways, put him on IR, so he is done uh, for the season, hopefully he'll be back next year, but that just sucks. Mike Evans with the uh, hamstring injury, he has been shut down as well for the next couple weeks. Uh, and Paris Campbell as well. Uh, Paris hasn't really done anything this year, uh, but he came back healthy this week. We we're all hoping to see something out of him as a rookie. Uh, I had high hopes for him. He goes back down again, and there was I can't, who was the other one, Matt, that you mentioned uh, that went down as well? Marvin Jones. Yeah, that's uh, right. There was a report. Marvin Jones has been put on IR, um, which is kind of a, a stunner, and it's going to make that you know all the Kenny Galladay shares you can get because that's the only thing we're yeah. playing out of the Detroit offense right now. Because Stafford, it looks like they've already ruled him out again. I. I honestly am not sure why they aren't putting him on IR. I don't see a point in trying to stick a guy that you want as your franchise quarterback back in after he's already fractured his back once on a 3-9-1 team. Your season's over. So I would expect a lot of David Blau and a lot of Kenny Galladay wondering why 27 people are covering him. And he's still going to put up points. We saw it last year. So if you got Kenny Galladay and you've made it this far, you are definitely excited. Uh, not excited that obviously Marvin Jones got hurt, but excited that he's about to get probably 99 of the 100 targets that are going out there uh, the next couple of weeks with David Blau at quarterback. So, Matt, obviously, thank you so much for joining me again today. I look forward to talking to you and Tony on Thursday as we're going to go through some of the playoff teams who we think are going to make it and, and possibly some other different stuff as well have yourself a good tuesday and wednesday and i'll talk to you on thursday sounds good have a good night prepare for glory i don't know if you got your popcorn ready do you got your popcorn ready i came out the wrong line ready and he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown i would be honored if you played football for this team throw it up above his head they can't jump with me golly only tackle them the point of Make a break. I can't. Who can make a break? I can't.